Yo, what is up? You have found We Like the Blazers. I am Brandon Goldner, and here with me, as most of the times, is somebody who does know how to play the game of poker, but doesn't know how to not lose his money. It is Ryan Witty Whitledge. Ryan, what's up, man? Uh, yeah, I, I haven't. Not, not that I did any better. I didn't do any better. I need to get back on my normal run. Well, I'm amazed that they let me, or that they actually had me put green in the group chat. Cause this is, I was the one that brought him <laughs> to the very first Blazers poker game and he cleaned up and now he's come to the second one and he's cleaned up. So Did uh, you end up I winning? don't think I'm, yeah, yeah. He won it all. Hmm. So uh, I think, I think his grand total math that he has on it is that between the two games, he's walked out with $580. That's not bad. So I, I I don't think I'm allowed to invite anybody else. <laughs> I did not do that. I walked in with $40 and I walked in with $0. But I ha- I also walked out with good memories and good times. That was actually the first time I had been in like a group setting with other people like that in two and a half, two years, right? So like, yeah. Um, so for me, that was actually really cool slash, you know, uh, scary or whatever, like people as we're, as we're a- adjusting into a new period of, of COVID or whatever, right? So that was cool. It was good to see you. It was good to see um, Seth, may know him as Sheriff of PDX, who organized the event. So thank you to Seth. It was good to see Keith Feltner-Smith, obviously, of the Trailcasters. Good to see Green. Good to see uh, names. Why am I bl- So many people that were great. It was super fun. So yeah, it was I know. Good it's, it's so weird to... Uh... Uh, you know, because it's this entire thing. Like when I had brought up the idea of the poker game and Seth and I were chatting about it before, you know, uh, he had, you know, kind of organized the first one or whatnot. Cause him and I had been talking about this for a little bit, you know, and it, it's just in, in the chat thing about it. It's, it's just a bunch of screaming. And I know all these people through comments right. and whatnot and retweets and, and whatever. And it's always, it's always weird when you get those things where then you can actually put faces to names yeah. and whatnot. And, and in the case of a poker game, figure out how much of a lying asshole they can be to your, <laughs> to your face when they're like, trust me, I'll, I don't have that. I don't, ah, motherfucker, I got it. <laughs> That's poker. Yeah, no, I, I, the screen name to actual human face thing is, is very real. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I'm going to try. Can I people maybe, maybe they don't want their privacy blasted. I don't know. Anyway, it was super fun. It was a good time. I had fun. Um, also having fun are other teams in the NBA. The playoffs are in full swing. I actually think it's been one of the most interesting first rounds in quite a long time for me anyway. So that's interesting. Uh, the Blazers did some stuff. You and I haven't been together in a while. There's a lot to talk about and a lot that we can table for a future episode. Uh, where makes sense for you to start in the universe of Blazers slash NBA basketball stuff? You know, if I wanted to do the, do like the hardcore, like, Hey, we haven't talked in a while. We should discuss this. I'm going to skip over a bunch of stuff because there's been so many, you know, there's so many other Blazers podcasts out there. A lot of them have done great stuff. If you want Lots like of the, really good shows, the, yep. the, the fastest recap in the West for Mike Richmond on the moratorium of the season, you can go back about like two weeks or so and find his, his rundown and it was weird listening to that episode because I'm like, oh yeah, shit, that did happen this year. You know, everyone always talks about how that, you know, like the uh, that first like year and a half or so of COVID felt like it took ten years. Uh, right. This last Blazer season feels like it was like four. 
with yeah. everything that happened, you know, and it's almost like you can truncate the entire season between like, Oh, the hope and optimism to start. And then there's this, and then there's this, and then there's this, and you have these, these hardcore set things, but I, I, it was a bizarre, I, I it was a bizarre year. It, it, it was a bizarre year. And, and I'm not going to lie as somebody who regularly watches 81 plus games a year. You know, it's very rare that I, I, I would miss take an over under on 81 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the over on that, but, um, you know, outside the COVID. well, no, I guess with playoffs, COVID season would count. We'll see anyways. But, um, but no, the amount of checked out that I was to like the actual basketball product itself yeah. near the tail end of the season. Oh my gosh. I got so much other things done. And, uh, luckily for me, now the Mariners got your life together. It's amazing. Unreal. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah no, you got I'm, a promotion. I'm, That's the reason I'm why fresh out of, I'm fresh out of rehab. There um, we go. Let me, no. <laughs> let me, no, you're not, but, but let me, let me put it. Let me, let me, let me put it to you this way, Ryan. If there was one takeaway or, you know, thing that you think was interesting in the last six weeks of Blazers basketball that you were tracking or was on your mind that we want to dredge up just quickly. Like something was on your mind during the end of the season that you were kind of focusing on. What do you think it was? Cause I I'm with you. I wasn't as checked in as usual, but what was it that you were checked in about? For me, what caught my interest the most was fan reaction to the last, let's just say post-trade deadline. Let's let's put it to there. Fan reaction, and not necessarily like just just fan reactions to trades and 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 who got what for what and blah 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 blah. But the fan reaction to the players that we ended up seeing on the court. And I know that Portland has the has the habit and the reputation of we were we will overvalue anybody. Luke Babbitt, <laughs> sign him tomorrow. Bring the man back home. We need Chalupas. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so watching the fan reaction and, and watching so many people go through these motions of like, Oh, you know, Brandon Williams, you know, I really think he can notch out a space on this roster next year. And, you know, Keenan Johnson, he's showing a lot of pop and oh, they brought Reggie Perry back. You know, he'd make a great big man off the bench next year. None of those guys are sniffing a basketball court. And especially for the Blazers next year, God bless Blazer fan souls for being able to find, you know, the happiness and watching these guys get it live out in their NBA dream. But I just love seeing some of the takes and I, that's in you don't all think honesty, Drew Eubanks what, is going to get th- 15 and 10 in regular NBA games next year when the Blazers are pushing for the play. No, I I'm with you. I, I no, agree with you. It's no, funny no, because one, it, the one, the one weird pushback I have on those things is that everyone's like, Oh, well in a regular NBA game. Well, the Blazers weren't a quote unquote regular NBA team this year, but they were most of the time. It's a weird weird middle ground. We're going to hope that they're not in the same place next year as they were this year. If that is the case, then Damian Lillard has gone or is injured and we're all going to be really sad. But I do think it's, it's funny though. It is, it's a, it's, um, it's disorienting for me because you do see these players and you see them get like 15 points or 20 points or they're going off and they look good and their handle looks pretty tight and you can squint and you can see them doing this on a better team. But in reality, it's because they're getting a ton of minutes and 
it's it's a really good example of how much talent the NBA has. It really does. Mm-hmm. The NBA is extremely talented. There are a lot of really good players, and they're not rotation level players, most of them. And it's just, it, it's, but it is kind of weird because you see it happening. You're like, oh, I could see it happening next year. It's like, well, yeah. no, probably not. Yeah. And and even so, with as many guys that did show out and, and pop off and, and have great nights for the Blazers, you know, finishing out this season, you know, while, while we make, we make our, 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 our jokes about like, yeah, well, you know, they're getting, you know, they're putting up these numbers, but it's empty numbers because you know, put them against regular guys or whatever. You know, that's not to say that not all of them aren't going to be able to take advantage of this opportunity because a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of these guys were buried on the end of the bench and didn't necessarily get a chance to prove that they could do these kind of things and have this kind of production. So I'm sure there's going to be, you know, two, three, four of them that, you know, go on to other teams and can build productive NBA careers. They just up until this point in time, never had a team that was trying to actively be the worst team in recorded basketball history to pull off one of the most impressive tank jobs of all time. And that was really good tanking, by the way, from everyone involved. I will say uh, one caveat. I do think, like what <laughs> clapping. I think that what we saw when the Blazers were like not fully tanking, like what we saw from Nurkic, who I want to spend a whole episode on how much I don't like use of Nurkic. Cause I'm like on one with that, but we're going to leave that aside. And from Simons and from Josh Hart, I think some of that is real. Mm-hmm. And particularly from oh, yeah. Simons and particularly from Simons, like what we saw from him becoming a most improved player candidate. That stuff is, is real growth, I think. And and we should be pretty excited about that. By the way, I lost a significant amount of money on that <laughs> Hanfordy Simon's most improved player. I'm willing to admit this publicly now. Okay, here it comes. I got my You're tax rebate. I'm putting it on the oh. record. I got my tax rebate because like I, I put a lot of money away each paycheck because I like to have when I do my taxes, I I like to have a reason to do it. And so if you put it like, if you, if you over deduct or whatever, like, you know, you're going to get something back, even though you're giving an interest-free loan to the government. Okay, fine. Whatever. I got more back than I expected. Also the Oregon um, kicker went into effect. And so that kind of helped. So I may or may not have put $500 $500 on Anthony Simon's most approved. Then the odds on it, Ryan, if this would have hit, if this would have hit, my student when loans would be sent, paid when, off. When, when you <laughs> sent me the text and told me you made this bet and said, and you basically <laughs> threatened me and said, you mother ever do not put a dollar amount to this. Uh, and then I think you tried to auction me off a part of your bet. I wanted to, to yeah, I wanted to spin some of it to you to get on that sweet action. It was looking good for a while. Look, if if I if he that was had a kept, twenty five thousand dollar payout, right? Right, exactly. It so I and it was like it's part of my to what I know it was dumb. It was I it was late. It was stupid. But like uh, he was looking. I, I mean, he if he had played as well, maybe slightly better. And if the Blazers weren't tanking, that's the thing that I didn't take into account how hard the Blazers really wanted to tank, which I think is good for the franchise, but bad for Brandon. If the Blazers had like not been wanting to tank and Dame was just out and it was Simon's tearing it up and they were getting wins and he was like, Ooh, I, that would have been close. So anyway, but whatever, goodbye, $500. Yeah. I will say I, I miss out. I miss out on the dinner and drinks on you for the celebration dinner and drinks on me for like a year. Yeah. That would have been insane. I just, I saw that yeah. number, what I could win. I was like, Whoa. Um, but that's how they get you. Isn't it? Um, 
I will say I, I put, I put in a small, I put in a small percentage of my NFL winnings from especially, I, I actually, I think it was learning about half of my super bowl winnings in on that bet, but I, I didn't get the odds that I got it at. I think you got it at plus 3000. I ended yep. up getting it at plus 2,500. So I wasn't going to get anywhere close to the payoff you got, but it still would have made me happy. But the, still the minute nice. they sat it, the minute they sat him, if it wasn't for the fact that we hold our gambling receipts in our, in our phones, I would have just taken that slip and lit it on fire and set yeah. it off into the wind. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the end of that. But like, and it's, it's kind of actually too bad. He, he will never win that award now. I don't, well, <laughs> I just don't think, yeah. I, so like, I mean, if he, I mean, if he makes like a John Morant leap next year, but I don't know how you do that when Dame is there. Anyway, but the point being, well, John, John Morant, I think set the bar for him because John Morant made a great leap last year. And then John Morant was in an MB, MVP conversation this year. So I, I think, right. I think the president pre, precedent, I freaking hate that word. The precedent is there for, for him to do it. So, uh, not, I yeah, but not dropping another 500 bucks on it at the start <laughs> of next season, but a few shekels is fine. If so, it, the, the problem, at least if, if he is on this team with Damian Lillard in front of him, he doesn't have room to, to be the best player on this team unless I, I don't know. So anyway, where's the lead? I just it's, heard Dwight James. I heard Dwight James. Oh my God. He's, he's no, 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 we're not. We're not mentioning those people on this show. My, I wanted to say really quickly, and we can move on after this, but my thing that I took away from the last, whatever, six weeks of the season was, I didn't know how okay I would be with like rooting for the Blazers to lose. I had never done that before, and it was kind of emotionally sort of similar to rooting for them to win. It was really bizarre actually watching the games I did watch and really feeling the same kind of feeling. But when the other team would hit a, it hit a shot late and, and get the lead, yes, lose. Like I was really, really super rooting for them to lose. And they did it. They did a spectacular job. They landed at sixth best lottery odds. They have a 37% chance of bumping in the top four. That's not nothing. Um, they have a, mm-hmm. a slight chance of maybe being bumped backwards a number of spots. Um, so, so just how easy it was to root for them to lose. That was my takeaway from the end of the season. Another thing that was funny just for my kind of, I'm going to call it my, my fan watching perspective because you know, you go, you go out, you go people watching. This is my fan watching perspective. What one of the other kind of humorous and, and fun things to watch is that once everyone realized that, that we were in a tank, they were on board. Yep. And then about a week and a half to two weeks of the tank was going on. And everyone's like, how long is this going to last? The like they're starting to get paranoid. Like, yeah. And, and, and what, what did they people, expect? Just, what did they expect? to? You know, that's funny. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, you start to think about like this younger generation of basketball fans. And this is, you know, now I guess we fall into kind of the old man category of basketball fans, but this younger generation of basketball fans, you know, they've had eight years of playoff success. There are people yep. now that are of legal drinking age that have been Blazers fans for as long as they can remember that were 13, 12 years old. The last time that the Blazers missed the playoffs. Yep. You yep. know, so they, they've never seen this kind of thing before. So it's like, Oh yeah, no, the tank. Okay. Yeah. Lose. Well, maybe if they could just win a couple, just, no, you know, so that, and it's like, no, that's lose not every last yeah. <laughs> The win a couple, that was the, that was that four game stretch when the organization had to do their due diligence and see what they had 
in some of the new pieces they acquired. They needed an Anthony Simons out there. They needed an Irk out there. They needed some of the, you know, some of the remaining regulars to just kind of see. And that we, you and I, we famously disagree. We famously disagree on that, especially with where it ended up and Portland being, let me see. They would have, they could have gotten all the way to fifth at least. Uh, they could have got, if they would have lost all those Just games, those they could have gotten all the way to fourth. So that's kind of sad. Actually, but they, would have t- they would have tied Detroit for food. Sorry, my bad. Um, but you so, know, that's not anyway. It's, I, it's still, maybe it's still funny to watch, watch fans go like, Oh, well, so no. let me ask you, can, can they win? I I'm curious if you think, <clears throat> so my, my thing is this, a four game sample size is nothing. You can't, draw oh, a conclusion yeah, yeah, yeah. from no, that. I, so like, yeah, I, I went, I got into an argument, someone on Reddit and, and it, not argument, but like actually respect, new places to argue with people. It was actually, I was going to say it was actually a pretty respectful back and forth, but just that like my point was that you can't draw conclusions from four games anyway. So why not? If you're going to tank, then just really, really tank, but they did well, you know, sixth best lottery odds is really pretty good. Again, with the flattened lottery odds, 37% to get in the top four. That's a, that's a chunk. I mean, that's not, I mean, so we'll, we'll see what happens anyway. That was my takeaway from the end of the season. Um, I will leave it to you, Ryan, uh, take us where do you want to go next with this? Well, real quick. Cause you had said, uh, you know, heaven forbid if, if they fall lower in the lottery. So the blazers, they, they yeah. can either the, the entirety of their window is they can end up one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine. Yep. That's it. That's Those it. are all of the possible mathematical pick selections. You know, fifth is, I had this explained to me. It made sense to me in my head and then I lost it. I'm not going to try to describe it, but fifth is out completely, Correct. but they, but it's, I can explain it. They get, okay, go ahead. So the way the NBA lottery works is either you are either you're in your spot or you mm-hmm. can jump into the top four Okay. Or a team behind you can jump into the top four. So that's Mm -hmm. it. So if the Blazers are at six, they can jump into the top four. That means they can't get five, but then teams behind them can bump them the other way. If they jump into the top four. Um, So that's how it works. And I, I like, could the worst happen? And I I think, tell me if I'm wrong. I believe with that logic that you could have, four teams jump into the top four and bump the Blazers back to 10th. Couldn't you? No, no. It's farthest is farthest is ninth somehow mathematically. But see, that's, that's what I don't understand is why not? Like if you can go into the top, if you're able to jump into the top four, then why couldn't four teams behind the Blazers get into the top four and bump them four spots? I think it has to do with how the percentages break down of what your overall percentage, you know, with like Houston, Orlando, Detroit, Oklahoma, or Houston, Orlando, Detroit, all having that 52.1%. So that's the quote unquote number of ping pong balls, which by the way, is there still a giant hamster wheel or are we doing randomly computer generated? I'd like to imagine that Adam silver before this is (laughs) by a gigantic fucking hamster wheel, just cranking it. Just I'd like to see him it. dive and then, in and then he re- and then he reaches in and he grabs a ping pong ball and he's like, ah, with the number one pick, the Portland trailblazers grab their envelope. That and would then be he sick. cranks it again. <laughs> that As would be amazing. Some computer. Yeah. The, but anyway, actually, I, you know I think who, you know who knows how those math ops work out. What's up? 
Ben Golliver knows he was in the secret room. I think he actually talked about it when he came on the show to promote his book. I think he may have mentioned it that time. Maybe it was a different time. Anyway, the point being that, yeah, so the, the, the chances of even three teams jumping the Blazers is pretty, pretty, pretty low. So I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah. One could, I mean, it would be, and so as we're, so we'll talk more about the draft lottery later it happens May 17 as you're watching and they're working backwards from what 14 is it um, with the 14th pick with the 13th pick. So then start paying attention around nine. So you don't want to hear him at nine. Don't want to hear him at eight. Don't want to hear him at seven. And if you don't, and if they're not announced at six, <clears throat> freak out yeah, a little bit four. and then start yeah. listening at four. Yeah. Um, yep. Anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> more lottery stuff to come. Yeah. Well, and, and we'll probably, you know, as, as more things get ironed out and, you know, these pre-draft workouts start happening and whatnot farther down the line and, and all that, we'll probably ask ye old buddy, Steve to hop back on and uh, bust out his, uh, his, his book of young boys. Just again about that. <laughs> Tickle trunk of young men. But, uh, the tickle trunk of young men. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I would just like the record to state you brought up tickle trunk, not me. And I uh, know. Well, it's, you know, it's just so bizarre and odd that it's hard to get out of your brain when someone like you puts it in there. Um, yep. I'm good at that. So the, the, the next little thing I want to talk about, because as, as watching the season progress and whatnot, as soon as the regular season ends and, and we know the Blazers fade, I think it was, there was two, two or three games left. And then they had two games left and we already knew that they were basically locked into six. So, so that fate was sealed. And then all eyes cast themselves upon the new Orleans Pelicans. The new home of one Mr. CJ McCollum, uh, Larry Nance, and the uh, the great and fabulous Tony Snell, and uh, and watching those. And for those playing games, I was at that was over Easter weekend. Yes, that was last weekend. Yeah, that was over Easter weekend. And and me and the family we rented a cabin uh, out at the beach. Uh, my son wanted to go there because his birthday is just a little before Easter, so we combined those two things you know, had the in-laws come and join. And, uh, I just so happened to make my way to a television in the first. And, uh, luckily the, the cabin got five channels and TNT was one of them. That's great. <laughs> so I was able to watch that and we were sitting down playing uh, a game of sequence, uh, highly recommended great card game slash board game playing a game of sequence. And I got completely taken out of that game because it's coming down to the wire between the Pelicans and the Clippers. And, I'm just, um, they can just see the steam coming out of my ears. And then the horn goes off and I'm like, I'm going to need a minute. I get up, I walk away. (laughs) My daughter asks, she, she's like, what's wrong, dad? What's wrong? She's like, do you not have good cards? And my son goes, no, look at the TV. And my daughter looks at the TV. She goes, Oh, it's basketball. She goes, but dad likes basketball. (laughs) And and I goes, no, no. She goes, the Blazers. No, I don't. Yeah. The Blazers just lost one of their lottery picks. And my daughter looks around and goes, I have no clue what any of that means. Go take, go take a walk, dad. Come back when you're ready. <laughs> Good for her. So, and, and, and I, and I, I had to go take a walk. And one of the beautiful things though, is that even though that cabin in, uh, out at the ocean, you know, ended up getting TNT is that I did not get to see the immediate reaction to how oh. Blazers fans handled that loss. Let's, that was let's, let's unpack that, that. That was something. Yeah. That's what I want to do. That was something I got the luxury of being able to scroll back on after the fact I didn't get immediately. Like, I think, I think I said, I was able to send out a tweet that said, fuck, 
and and that about summed up how I felt. But sure, that's fair. Yeah, how I think that, I think that's you, I think that's a reasonable reaction. Yeah, d- how, did you watch it live? Did did you get a did you get to see this reaction? And and was it what you expected? Um. Uh, so the immediate reaction was, cause I mean, yeah, like, yes, like it, the immediate aftermath of the Blazers losing a lottery pick should be that people, if you're a Blazers fan are probably pretty pissed about it. I think that's super reasonable and normal and, you know, especially right after the game and, and maybe a mm-hmm. little splash of being happy for CJ, but like, yeah, I think the immediate reaction mostly was what I expected, but, but this is, this is where I, this is what I didn't expect. What I didn't expect was for people to use that game as a springboard to start absolutely diarrhea shitting on Joe Cronin. That's what I didn't expect, because here's my thing. And I want I want your take on this. If you had an issue with what Joe Cronin has done to this point, which I think is completely fair, then. You should have you should have had that same energy when those things happened all the way through. It makes absolutely no sense to me that you would become more upset when the risky part of the trade ends up not falling your way. That risk was there before you can evaluate mm-hmm. that trade before you can look at that and evaluate that risk before and look at it that way. At that point, it's out of the Blazers hands. You can't negotiate the Pelicans playing better or worse. Or the Lakers playing better or worse. So that was the part that really got me. And I'm like, I, I mean, you can tell like I'm ugh, like, I have, I have opinions about this, but what, what do you think, Ryan? Like what, on that point in particular, using it as a like, I told you Joe Cronin's a piece of shit. Look at that. Like his whole plan is ruined. Like there's a lot of reasons why I don't agree with that. But like, I'm just curious what your take is. If you hate it when it didn't work, I don't think you should have be allowed to have cheered for it to work because yeah. your hate should be the same. It was a gamble. Bring that same energy. All, basically like all revisionist <laughs> history to look back, nobody, I had not heard, but one person even <laughs> mention, well, why at the time of the trade or leading up to any of this, I never heard a single person mention. Well, I wonder why the blazers didn't try to leverage new Orleans for, can we get the better of their pick or the pick out to them by the Lakers? Nobody brought that up. Literally no one brought that up. Talking, there was never a talking point about anything. Suddenly everybody is an expert. Well, Cronin obviously should have said, can we get the Lakers pick? If yours doesn't convey, find me a living human being on the planet that would have guessed at the time of those moves in that trade that the Lakers and the Blazers would have finished with a damn near similar record post all-star break. Find me anybody who thought that that team of superstars down there was going to end up missing the playoffs. Maybe you, nobody thought that maybe you, you well, actually, to your credit, you should actually be this is a, taking this some is credit a high for horse that. I will ride. I, this is a high horse. I will ride until the end. You of were, time. you were, you were very low on the Lakers preseason. I was pretty high on that. I think I said, Daryl, maybe 60 games. And you were like, what are you talking about? So you should take some credit for yeah. that. But like, I will. okay, but, but yeah, it, it's, it's all this revisionist history. And, and, and again, it's yes, there are, if 
I'm using the phone, I must hit the decline button as the wife's calling, but she's just going to have to deal. <laughs> no, uh, um, you know, if you want to go back and have this revisionist history, you can criticize Cronin a little bit for, you know, maybe not getting as much from uh, the the trade for Powell and 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 Rocco and whatnot. But separate trade. More, That's a separate trade. But but smarter people, more plugged in in the league, or you know, have said that you know it it Norman Powell's contract, his contract length was was a negative. You know, Robert Covington uh, was not you know that sought after of an asset to, for the Blazers to even get back what they paid for him. Those kind of things that you can criticize him for CJ, you know, Kevin Pelton and as uh, who again, will has forgotten more about basketball cap schematics and conversations he's had with plugged in league executives said that CJ's contract was so undervalued that he yeah. couldn't believe that the Blazers got back what they did for him. Right. You know, and, and so I understand that, Again, it ties back into like when I had said that the uh, Blazers fans constantly overvalue their own players. It also doesn't help that we've had a Neil O'Shea for the last nine years. It, do, it doesn't help. That, it doesn't right, help that CJ right, played well when he got to New Orleans too. I mean, that's part of it too. Yeah. But so, but he also had some vintage CJ games along the way in that. So, right. But you know, we we were if if we're to believe this hype that like in what world do we send that when the team has decided that they want to tank and they're trying to play for their own lottery pick all of the tanking none of our tanking was for new orleans pick all of that tanking was for our pick and to Correct. put the blazers in the best position for their pick so those two things are separate so you can't say the tank failed cuz we didn't get new orleans pick but CJ didn't have the value that Blazer fans think that he did out on the open market. So and, and much it, so that that it took us having to toss in Larry Nance Jr. to sweeten the deal. And if you think that Cronin misevaluated the market, if you think that Cronin undervalued CJ, then you should have said that at the time. And and there were some people who said that at the time, but the, the amount of immediate and very <sighs> strong and persistent, like Cronin is ruining the franchise and blah, 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 blah. When the Pelicans made the playoffs was completely insanely disingenuous. And that's my biggest issue with it is like, again, you knew the mechanics or that you knew the details of the trade when the trade was made. And now you're this upset about it. So that's part of it. There's another part about how you evaluate CJ that we were just talking about just to say that, yeah, like CJ McCollum is owed a lot of money for a couple more years. He's 30 years old. He was hurt. You know, he did play better when he got to new Orleans, but what did to, to what end to the, to, to the, them getting the eight seed. I mean, now actually I do want to talk about how they look against Phoenix and Devin Booker being out like that's suddenly become an interesting series future bet, but, but CJ McCollum <laughs> is not going to look as good as he does now when the best player of their team, Zion Williamson, comes back next year. CJ looked better because there was a vacuum of leadership, a vacuum of star power, and he played up to the moment, which he should get credit for. But that's what happened. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's part of it, too. But there's one more part well, of this. A lot of times, too, when you, when, when you see players of CJ's caliber get traded amongst the league, there's very, very, very few of them that go to a new team that play like shit. That's that's yeah. just how it happens. When if there's a role for them to traded, play, 
Yeah, yeah. When yeah. good which players he had. get traded Orleans, to teams, New Orleans had a need for him. He fit yeah. in perfectly. Yeah, there was a vacuum there. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, you and then there was another point you were going to say. No, I, I think no, I think you're right about that. <clears throat> there's another so, point that we there's another point that we haven't even hit yet that I want your opinion on, which is this. What's that? People were so so upset about not getting this New Orleans pick, which would have been at best at eleven. How important is that to the Blazers offseason's plans? Somewhat important, kind of important. I put out on Twitter, follow me at GoldenerPDX, uh, like a thing that showed kind of what percentage of importance that specific pick had to their ability to have a good offseason. And my evaluation was it was like 20% of it, which is that's a chunk. I mean, it, it like it matters. It was significant. Mm-hmm. But that's not the world ending. That's not the world crumbling around you. The world crumbling around you would be that the Blazers pick gets bumped to like eight. That would be really, really, really bad. And Mm -hmm. on the opposite end, if the Blazers pick ends up at three or one or two, that's really, really, really good. Um, And that matters infinitely more than the 11th pick. And so I'm just curious, like how much how like how much was that? 11th pick critical to the Blazers offseason path like how important do you think that pick was well I th- I think it was important but there's some hypocrisy hypocrisy behind the reaction to it in that I didn't it's a mixed bag because you know Shams came out with a with a report through the athletic it was kind of backed up with uh, um, some reporting by Jason Kidd uh, or not Jason Kidd Jason Quick God, Jason Kidd to... pulling double duty as a Mavs coach and a reporter. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> yeah. By, uh, by Jason quick and, and, and other people that, that are very well connected know these things that uh, basically, you know, when during the trade deadline, when, when talks failed uh, between uh, the Blazers and the Pistons, it was going to be, Hey, so we'll get new Orleans pick and uh, you know, that can be yours, you know, and we'll, and we'll get that for Jeremy Grant. You guys can get off his money, go through your youth movement. We got to We got to trade a player exception spot. That'll fit him right in here. There you go. Not a lot of people like the Jeremy Grant move. And a lot of these same people really don't like the fact that the team is fucked because we don't have this pick. Well, that pick was earmarked for Grant. There's no if, ands or buts about it. That wasn't going to be another player. That that was the grant move. We would, we'd set them that pick. They, they could figure their crap out. They could get off his money. They could go for their full youth rebuild, get Cade Cunningham and all that stuff up and going. We'd take them right in. So I, I would, say it was important. I say it was important because of it was basically a handshake agreement done deal that that was going to happen. If that's where the cards fell. Do you, do you believe that? How often do we get, a fully fleshed out trade just telegraphed months in advance. I mean, I, if you if believe it, it that's fine. Not, if, if it had been the, uh, the outliers per se, you know, the quicks, the, the Brian Fishers, the, or Jake Fishers, you know, I, just, the, I don't people, remember that ever happening. If, if, it, if, if it, it, no, and that's, a, that's the thing. It's so strange. And a lot of people talk about like, we've never seen this telegraph. This is awkward. Yeah. I don't uh, know. When, when shams and, the, and a lot more higher up individuals are reporting it, in in the terms of like just this fact kind of thing, I, I'll I'll put I'll give it like a ninety five percent believability rate. I'll give myself Fine, some I, I mean, room, but 
let's say that that option maybe is no longer available. That's fair. And I do, I do think that's significant. I mean, I'm not a huge Jeremy Grant fan, but if you can get him for free and Jody Allen's okay, going into the luxury tax to try to, you know, pull the last from Dame's prime. then yeah, that's kind of a bummer. That that was the end. That was the entire reason that that they wanted to get out from under the luxury tax this year so that they could next year. So and then and then okay, fine. So you think it was pretty important. That's totally fair. I mean, the Bucks 2025 first round pick, we don't know like what is the are we even gonna exist in 2025? Like people are like, well, Giannis is young and like the Bucks Not are gonna be great. Rate. Yikes. But like, but, but like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, like the, the bucks 2025 pick, something happens. Giannis gets hurt. I want to go somewhere else. I brought Milwaukee a championship. His promise has been delivered. He's not going to get, he, who is going to give Giannis blowback at this point for leaving Milwaukee if he wanted to leave. So like, I don't know. Snap his leg so, in a, he could snap his leg in half, and who knows? They end up just absolutely. I hope that doesn't happen. A, but like, I, I, I know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. I said happens. it first, but yeah, it, it should happen. We don't the, know. That's a, the, scary, the scary thing yeah. is that it's it's so far out that people can't fathom. That. Well, I can fathom and, it. I mean, and, that's that is an asset. If if another team values it, 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 it it's it's it has less value than this year's eleventh pick, no doubt. Like it, it, yeah, even if the it could Blazers, be, the Blazers have been so pigeonholed by not having the flexibility because they've leveraged so many of their first round picks under Neil O'Shea. Well, guess what? We now have a year where we have two. If you want to trade a future first, go yeah. ahead. You have two of them one year. I mean, we're not OKC. We don't have 97 of them, but still. I mean, there, there is still the problem that the Blazers haven't conveyed their own pick that would have conveyed had they not been in the lottery this year. So that is still kind of a matzo ball hanging over the organization's head, but whatever. Um, OK, fine. So but anyway, I, I think the whole New Orleans Pelicans thing, basically my my TLDR on this is that it do, it is a bummer. It sucks. It is not. It is far from the most important part of this offseason. The Blazers have to have lottery luck. They have to make the right pick. They have to be smart with their trades. Um, I mean, there there is there is a ton of work to do, um, and that was not the most important part of it. That's kind of my takeaway. And for people, but I will just say this: I put out a meme, Scooby Doo mask. You know, like people criticizing Joe Cronin, lift the mask. New Lil Shea supporters. That's what I think happened with a lot. Not all of it, but with a lot of it. Like there were some. People. I'm not gonna lie, you 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 missed the boat. You needed to work some Photoshop skills, and that needed to be Neil O'Shea lift in the mask. Oh, dang it! But like, <laughs> I, I just I, I do feel like it, it felt like some people needed a little bit of catharsis because they their boy Neil O'Shea is no longer in office. Not everybody, but some people. Anyway, whatever. We're all having fun here. It's all basketball. Um, where where I ultimately fall on this is like again, I I was I was pissed off. I was disappointed. I need to take a little walk around the block. You know, when we lost out on the on the Pelicans pick because that is a it's a tool. It's it was imp- it was important. It yes. was a bummer for yeah. sure. Yeah. But where I stand mentally as a fan is that I can have my thoughts. I can have on my feelings right now. Ground, or on shaky ground. Yes. Yeah. On, on, <laughs> on all unstable these, ground. That's what I was looking for. Yes. On all these things that could happen, that can happen, that might happen, that whatever. Talk to me in August and I'll give you an honest like, assessment of how all of this went. That's what because we have to do. In August, this team is put together in a way that they can 
possibly make a, I'm not expecting championship contention next year. I'd like it, but if they can make a good playoff run, then I'm going to consider it a success. Yeah. Which is a, by the way, which is a rough, yeah, which is a rough place to be in because you would, at this point in Damian Lillard's prime, you would really want to be at contention status, but that's not where we are. Um, That's actually, I think a perfect pivot. I don't know how much time you have, but like, let's think about this. Okay, good. Uh, We got the playoffs. We got the playoffs. Again, I said earlier, I think this is maybe the most compelling first round of playoffs that I can remember in recent memory. Maybe part of it is that like the the crowds are back and you, I mean, it feels way cooler now. Like when Joel Embiid hits a turnaround three in overtime and like is yelling at the crowd. My God, Doc Rivers. That was his drawn up fucking play for a turnaround fadeaway from Joel freaking Embiid. Tobias Harris setting the screen of his life. He says, yeah, that was cool. That was so cool. Seeing like last night, Draymond green, like when he stripped Jokic, uh, had five fouls, by the way, put Jokic in jail, stripped him. And Draymond Green is just like screaming at the Denver crowd, just screaming as he could spit flying out of his face. Like it is. It's more fun. Not when even people are just there. last night. Draymond has erased an MVP that has like four inches yeah. of height on it. Just I mean, Dray- Draymond's out, center of gravity is a huge advantage. He's got long it's, arms. He's right in the do- it's right in the donut belt. <laughs> he's in oh. great shape, man, and and he's he is smart as hell. That Warriors team is spooky. That Warriors team is scary. Like Jordan Poole suddenly looking like you know he had Jordan Poole has one fewer point in his first three career playoff games than Michael Jordan. Like anyway, but like, so here's what I wanted to ask you. All right, there, Elias. <laughs> see, this is I told you before. Like, I'm going no notes, and it's actually very freeing. It's just see whatever comes into your head, you just say it. Um, that's how well prepared I am. Um, the playoffs are happening. There are some teams that are, for all intents and purposes done the Sixers have the Raptors on the ropes Sixers are up 3-0 um I would actually call the Dallas Utah one looks a little cooked because Utah just looks totally totally disinterested uh, and my, Luka Doncic hasn't my, even come back my, yet for for Dallas my, da- my Dallas futures bets looking good for that first round Ooh, um you have the Warriors up I got, 3-0. I got, I got them at a plus 450 oh to win, to win that series Uh, Yeah, you should uh, start 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 counting your money right now. Um, The twenty two dollars of it because I only put a buck on it. Hey, that's (laughs) like two bucks or something like that. Whatever. That's great. Uh, Hey, I got an entire thing of playoffs and I'm starting to bet on Mariners baseball. So I got to spread my gambling funds out. uh, My units have had to shrink here. That's that's totally fair. Um, I'm not going to make a joke about your unit shrinking. The Warriors are up three zero on the Denver. <laughs> Sorry, it's gold. <laughs> oh my god, the Warriors are up three zero on the Denver Nuggets. That looks cooked. The Celtics are up two zero on the Nets. That series looked cooked. But the, but the point being, there are some teams that are looking like they're going to make some off season changes. Ryan, and meanwhile, mm-hmm. you have the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> No, they don't have the the Pelicans 11th pick anymore, but they do have a future first. They have some players they could sign and trade. Yada, yada, yada. There are some people who are going to want to be looking at some different environs come the 2022-23 season. So my question to you is Mm -hmm. this. Are there any players on teams that look like they may be looking to make a change? 
any players that you would want to see the Blazers try to make a play for? I I have three and, and for this, it's all, all three of these will fit within the Blazers TPE. So, because I, I work under the assumption of that, if there's this team, if there's a team in the playoffs or, or that was super close to making the playoffs or whatever, they, they feel as though that they were on the cusp of contention. And so they're not necessarily a team that's wanting to, to take money back. They're, they're looking to be able to make a move to where they could maybe offload a big salary to try to entice a, another talent from a different position of need, or they're, they're coming up on needing to, to pay one of their own players or, or, or whatever, which yes, I know bird rights, yada, 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 scream at me in the comments. I don't care, but there are all these things, but there are three players to me that intrigue me that, Without giving up anything, I feel as though that the Blazers could take on in salary in this TPE. Yes, let me. Before you say that, can you explain to the listeners? Because I'm not sure I can. How this traded player exception would work, and what it would mean for how else the Blazers could potentially either re-sign people or build their team. Because my understanding is that it's like there are some contingencies slash things that they either need to do or cannot do in order to use this thing. And I also want you to explain how exactly they use it before you get into the players. If you can do that, I will give you a cookie. So, because this is not this stuff isn't simple. Get, if anyone get, tells you the cap get, stuff's simple, they're lying. It's not. It's complicated. Yeah. Get, get the cookie ready. Yes. And this comes from many oh, conversations, okay. with many smart math people, and and whatnot. So the Blazers through this through the CJ McCollum trade with uh, New Orleans Pelicans, they actually currently hold two uh, two TPEs. One is for uh, twenty point seven nine million. Let's just for yep. conversation's sake round 20. that up to twenty one. Because oh, you gotta, you gotta round it up. Yeah, because you yeah, gotta operate fine. within a certain percentage of it. Uh, the other one is for about like seven million. I want to say um, they cannot be combined, so you cannot take them and make one massive twenty-eight million dollar traded player exception, and you cannot aggregate and you cannot aggregate it out and take on you know, uh, but you know, like eighteen you know, $1 million players or whatnot. Um, they kind of got to be used. In <laughs> the Blazers are carrying 27 <laughs> players into, into trading camp. They're, sudden, they're suddenly a baseball <laughs> team. Yes. So they can't, they have um, to, it has to be a one-to-one deal. Yes. Or a zero-to-one deal. Uh, yeah. And, and so then in this um, part of, this is a little murky on my end because I have heard conflicting reports. So I'm willing to, it's open for interpretation on if any smarter math people want to get back to me. Cause I've heard from a friend of the show, Eric Griffin, that it is not an order of operations thing, but I've heard from like the likes of Kevin Pelton and I've added him to the, uh, to the repertoire of my podcast and Nikias Duncan things that uh, it needs to be an order of operations thing. And that is if the Blazers operate as an over the cap team, Oh, yeah, yeah. then they yep. can just use the traded player exception straight out. And, and what that means, that's where that Joe Ingles contract comes into play because they're, they're over the cap, but they're not in the luxury tax, you know, all those kind of things where the traded player exception. And in this case, I'm going to talk strictly about the CJ McCollum one, not the other one, because CJ McCollum one is their, their biggest asset that they can use. Uh, historically traded player exceptions, rarely get used. Uh, the biggest one that we ever saw used dealt with, uh, the Gordon Hayward, 
Um, and his $27.2 million traded player exception. Um, but other than that, I think 87% of the time they go unused in the league. Um, but with the Blazers having a, having a big and having a significant one, um, what they can do is that if there is a team that feels as though it needs to make a drastic change or needs to make a big change or to offload a contract, like in the case of Jeremy Grant or whatnot, because they want to go for a youth movement. So they want to get rid of one of their last remaining high paid players. The Blazers can into that $21 million trade trade a player exception, just absorb the contract right into it. They don't need to send them a damn thing. They don't even need to send them a taco. They can just say, you want to make this trade. You want to make this trade. That sounds fantastic. Send them on over. Nice doing business with you. We help that team clear their books or organize their finances or make it so that they can facilitate other deals that they already have in their own order of operations down the line. And there you go. So that's, yeah. And when you're talking about $21 million in, in the NBA, you tend to be talking about a players of significance. So that's kind of how those things operate. Did, did I end up answering all your questions in on that? You did. And here's where I coming close. You did. Here's where I have the most confusion still. And it sounds like even people smarter than us are not on the same page is that order of operations, which is to say, <clears throat> do the Blazers have to re-sign Josh Hart or Yusuf Nurkic or you know Eric Bledsoe, like or Anthony Simons, and like they in got what bird, order can they, they got bird rights? They got bird rights on every single one of them. They can go as far over the cap to all, and and it behooves them to because outside of the traded player exception, they have the mid-level exception, the biannual exception, all, all those things that they need to take care of first. Because if they were to immediately re-sign Yusuf Nurkic, which right. they have his bird rights, which they have his bird rights to, or whatnot, um, but so they are they the an over-the-cap team? That's the that's the that's the point I'm trying to make. Is like the over-the-cap team part of it? Like, do they do, do, do they need to matter. get over the cap first before they can use the traded player exception? So would that mean they that they would the have cap. to sign? They, they are, are currently over the cap. Even, Joe Engel's contract. Even with all of the players not yet signed and partial guarantees and all that bullshit. Are you sure about that? Yep. Okay, good. Then, 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 then the other part of this, I'm still kind of confused about before I'll finally let you talk about actual players. That's the fun part is the, you know, what does this mean for, uh, let's say you do a separate deal. Um, Oh, so here, hold on. By the way, how they are over the cap is because until any of those other deals are facilitated, contracts are inferred. So Anthony Simons has a cap hold. Nurkic has a cap hold. That's what I'm saying. Like, are those cap, cap holds enough to get them? Because Simons is going to get paid more. You know, like I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so there, put, there's some confusion. I'm yeah. I don't know. Let me I, let me put it to you this way: the the Blazers, um, they are currently yeah they're they're sitting well above the cap. I guess what I'm trying to say is like if using their traded player exception, if it, if it closes off other opportunities or vice versa, if like other opportunities closes off the ability to use the traded player exception. And I think I wish I understood those dynamics better because it would help me to like evaluate what would be a better move to do one or the other. Suffice to say, this is an option for them. So what you are about to say, which is the fun part, the players, (laughs) 
these are things that could potentially happen. And I, I'm curious yeah. to hear again, like who you what, think what, they should be. Yeah. Go for it. Scott. One Sorry. other thing real quick. There is no universe in existence than which the Blazers can use their traded player exception and have free agent money to Correct. spend that's outside, a, that's a good outside point. of their exceptions. Good point. So that's there, a, there is no universe a, in which those two things exist. That's it. I think that is a, that is a fair point and that's a good one to kind of knock out of the way right away. Yeah. I've, I've actually... To go on the math here real quick. So their active roster cap space or active roster salaries for next year. It's about 91 million. Uh, they have the uh, ghost of Andrew Nichol or ghost of Alan Crabb and Andrew Nicholson still on the books for 2.8 million. Uh, so that is their dead money. And they have $73.5 million in cap holds. And that is the Anthony Simons, the use of Nurkic's, all those, you know, the, um, I think that it uh, also includes like the Eric Bledsoe, Joe Ingles stuff. You so are correct. Are, I just, they are currently $45 million over the cap, but they're below the tax line. And that's the important I, part. I just cracked open. I, I subscribed to the dunked on podcast with Nate Duncan, Danny LaRue, and they send out these cap updates on the, on a Google sheet. And I, I should have just opened that because you're right. All to say that if they did nothing, they're operating as an over-the-cap team because of those holds. Um, yeah. Okay, let's talk Turkey. Let's talk Turkey. Whitledge players. Who do you want? I have I have one, and I'll hold it. But I I have uh, I have three. Well, I had three. I'm blanking on a third, and it's gonna piss me off. Um, two, 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 two. Oh, hmm. we'll get there. Okay, we'll go two. I think we may agree on the. I think we may agree on the third, but the third is a little fishy because you might, it might cost you a little something, but, um, one of them that I like, uh, OG Ananobi. Yeah, there's, so talk I've to me. Thought this, I've long thought this to be a pipe dream, but there's probably going to be a squeeze in Toronto with position and minutes and he'd be the odd man out. And I want to say, He's making about $17 million or something. So he fits perfectly right into that traded player exception. Yes, you're quote unquote sacrificing $4 million of it, but oh well, for a player his caliber, he'd fit perfectly in with Dame, all that fun stuff. Um, Thing is, he's a. He's a wing. He's 24 years old. What does Toronto want? Like, I feel like they would want. Three well. They would want yep. more in return than just, you know, free space. So that's something they, to think about with all of these probably. Yeah, the, the, there is the, you know, do they want more in return? But what is Toronto looking for? Because now they have a log jam at that position and it's a position of need. So, yes, they could leverage that to get more back. But when you're trying to match salaries and all that stuff, does it become problematic on one end? And do the Blazers find themselves sitting out and going, hey, I mean, we'll just send them over. It's fine. We don't have to send you anything back. You know, I just feel like we'll, that's the kind of player that other teams would value enough to give the Raptors more than just we'll take him for free like that. He's going to require something. Oh, oh, I, I agree. There is that, but you, you asked me for a player on my ball and, 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 that, and that's going to be just, a player no, I'm, on my ball. As, I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying, and this may be true for other players to too. Toronto's books. But uh, the the next one, and this that theory would hold for this one as well, and we'll see how they end up uh, faring uh, through the rest of this first round. But uh, Carl Anthony Towns, only wow, so much shooting. that man can do for Minnesota. But I shooting would for the love stars, to see my friend. I would uh, I would love to see him next to Dame. 
And uh, the next one that I have is going to come from a team that is not in the playoffs, but just barely didn't make it. Now, this isn't a, a star per se, but do I think that he would be a fantastic puzzle piece that, and oh, I guess I lied earlier. When I said I'm only going to talk about the CJ McCollum trade exception, I'm going to say that this one would fit into the other $7 million trade exception. Do you name players that you know that are one of Dame's best friends in the league? Uh, he loves Draymond. Um, not Draymond. Obviously, I know you're not talking about Draymond. Um, who makes seven million dollars? Uh, uh, and would make a difference. Who else does he? He's friends with a lot of people. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm curious. Nicholas Batum is one of the guys in the league that he is the most tight with. And Nicholas Batum is an unrestricted free agent that the Clippers could sign and trade, sign and trade. Okay. Like, how do you use the exception for that? Interesting. Yeah. I would, I mean, I think most people would probably welcome back Batum with absolute open arms in a, a right size role, made, you know, and he's, I, I think he could fit into a starting unit on this team in some regard. Um, he's not the player that he was before. Uh, he's actually ironically for as skinny as he still kind of looks, uh, he's about the same playing weight as Nurk. So, uh, that's, that's a little funny to think of him because we all claim scream that if that man could just live weights, but, you know, think of a universe in which the, you know, the Blazers land a top three pick and, and get, get a good solid, you know, forward because that's who they're going to be picking in that regard. And, you know, and Nicholas Batum going along with it, you got Dame Ant, Nurk, insert top three draft pick and Nicholas Batum. I have faith in that roster. It's also the Clippers were like, you know, they allowed, I think it was an 11 or 12 point run from the Pelicans in that play in game. When Batum was on the bench, he was by far their most effective defender in that game. Um, And anyway, whatever. Um, No, it wasn't. I think think the the Clippers playing. Were they playing what? the Pelicans? Were the Clippers playing the yeah. Pelicans that second game? It was right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, but yeah, so just to say, Reggie Jackson he, and Norm Powell just could, they were out of gas and could not make the ball over the front of the rim. Yeah. So just to say that he still can definitely play a role. Okay. So you said OG Ananobi, Carl Anthony towns, Nicola Batum. Who was the other one you said? Those you are my three. Th- those are your three. Um, of those three, I was going to ask you, but it's really obvious that, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, I, I let me just say this not going to happen. So won't happen. Can't happen. He's too good. The Blazers don't have enough to give up. One's not going to happen. So let's, can we just say that that one's, I mean, yes, we would love for that yeah. to happen, but it's yeah. not going Do to. Do you want to move on to your guy or Rudy Gobert as you're telling me Carl mm-hmm. Anthony Towns won't happen? Uh, no, 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 no. I want to, I want to <laughs> go through the other. So we have then OG and Anobi and, Nicola Batum are two different <laughs> tier of player. So let's just hold mm-hmm. on to those. Those two, I think are possible, but I do want to talk about Rudy Gobert. I want to talk about Rudolph Gobert, the Frenchman three time defensive player of the year, multiple time depoy candidate averages 15 points by existing is what would be so far and away. The best player you cannot get defensively. He would be so far and away. The best player defensively that Dame is Ever played with uh, wow, both Damian Lillard. 
both Damian Lillard, <laughs> both Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons know how to throw a basic entry pass and wouldn't like ignore Gobert when he has really deep post position. The last game with Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert. I, I, I mean, saw I know the, I saw the clip. I get that they don't like each other, but y'all are in the playoffs. Like chill out, like just pass each other the ball. But look, here's my argument for this. And this, I want to talk about price now for, for, we're really talking at this point about OG and, and Rudy. Um, If you had your choice between the two and we're going to talk price, we're going to talk Turkey here, but like, I believe that having a defensive player like that, which by the way, the most effective perimeter defender among centers in the league. People, oh, he's slow. He can't move his feet. Not true. Like you look at like how he defends people on the pick and roll for wide open threes. He's the most effective perimeter center defender in the league. He is mobile. He can move. He can play different schemes. His team often leaves him out to dry and then it looks bad, but that's not his fault in my view. So, um, yeah, I'm high on Rudy Gobert. I think that plus the Utah, something's going to happen with that team. I mean, Quinn Snyder is going to get fired and then other things will happen. So let me ask, let's start easy. Yeah. Hold go on for real it. quick. I got to correct myself just cause I'm, I'm, I'm prepping ahead for, for where this is going. Uh, I was <laughs> wrong. You can split up the value of a TPE. You could take a, the $21 million TPE and split that up into four or $5 million players. I was wrong. It would have to that. be in the My same apologies. same transaction, though, right? No, 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 no. Like it says, sure? for instance, right. it's, it's, uh, I'm looking right here, uh, NBA.com. Uh, trade exceptions can't be combined. For instance, a team can't take a five million dollar exception and a twelve million dollar exception and use it to acquire a seventeen million dollar player. Okay. However, a team can use one exception for multiple players in more than one trade. That's super interesting. Okay. So yeah, I mean, that's helpful. I think that for like high impact players, you know, I think that we've come up with a short list, which I think is reasonable. Um, Mm -hmm. Also like, well, we're, we're going to talk Turkey in a second, but let me ask you this real clean. If you could just magically transport either OG Ananobi or Rudy Gobert onto this Blazers team, which of those two players in a vacuum would you prefer? We'll talk about price in a second, but just in a vacuum, who would you rather have? Hold on. I'm going to do a quick Google search here. He's busting out his calculator. Calculator's got a TI 83 nerd doing some cat stuff OG. over there. Okay. Uh, why? O- Make the OG case. Is o- he's younger. And yes, so if you, if you want to, uh, and it's not by much, but he's, he's 24 years old. So if you go bears 29 and if, so if you want to pivot the franchise, if, if it doesn't work with Dame, Dame demands a trade, whatever you're left with Ant and Nas to kind of build around whatever. Yeah. OG's a player that you can pair with Ant, And now you can have a long-term future without absolutely having to torture your franchise. That's a, I think that's a great argument. Um, I would say I would rather have Gobert because defensive player of the years don't grow on trees. We have never, ever, true. we've never, ever seen oh. Dame play with someone like that before. Correct. I'm I think aware Rudy, that I am, I am in a very, 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 very small minority. Like, I don't think I'll you go are. Pick up, I'll go pick up Rudy from the airport if, <laughs> if it happens. I don't think but you are. I, I, I don't think, I, I think a lot I, of people are down on Gobert. OG's luggage. Well, he can't I, I, touch our microphones. Don't touch our microphones, oh, you God. son of a bitch. 
I think a lot of people are down on Gobert. I don't think you're in the minority as much as you think you are. And I think OG, for the reasons you just said, he's a more versatile player. Um, He's much younger. He fits two different windows of this franchise. Mm -hmm. And Gobert, I mean, well, 29. I mean, he's not like ancient. Um, So, okay, fine. He's 31 and we talk about him like he's dead. I know. I, I really want to drink the Kool-Aid of Dame saying I haven't felt this great in five years. I would just, I mean, I want, I so I really want to believe that. Right. So we'll see, whatever. Let me ask you this now price, everything comes at a cost. And here's, I mean, you said earlier about Blazers fans overvaluing their players. Blazers fans mm-hmm. never, ever want to give up anything in a trade. And that's just not the way the world works. Like you have to give up value to get value. And um, Macklemore for life, man. right (laughs) you know they'll take eric bledsoe's bloated contract to make the numbers work and they just want to get rid of gobert like that's not how it works um what is the what is the maximum amount of talent slash future assets that you general manager ryan whitledge would be willing to give up for someone like an OG and an OB or Rudy Gobert, let's say in your case, it's OG. I mean, I, again, we're just, we're just talking. What are you, what are you willing to give up? How much are you willing to cripple this team in order to get a better player in here right now? Well, I don't want to talk about draft picks because for one, we're already confused on when the hell we owe Chicago that other pick. So I don't know what draft picks I have to, I have to work with, but you know, <laughs> oh, somebody had it pulled up here. There's a, a, there's a certain draft pick, which the Blazers have this year. So I do want to, I want to just, I'm putting it out there right now. It's like, I don't think that can be off the table when we're talking about this stuff. I really don't. I don't think so. I do not disagree with you. Okay. I will not take any draft pick into account that is not this year's. Does that work for you? Okay. All right. Top three. No. Uh, four, mm-hmm. six, seven, eight, nine. That can go. That can be tagged along with anything. That that's perfectly fine with me. I'll pay that price for Gobert, and I will do no more than that pick plus Knox. Wow. Huh. I just so I just don't think Utah. Like, look at it. If you're a Jazz fan and you're trading, they're in capped hell. They can't take. They are. Lot, they can't take a lot back. And you said something on Twitter, which I appreciate at the witty. Ryan, which is your handle, which I, I don't know why I stumbled on that, but like, (laughs) uh, you made a point where it was like the Blazers really needed to get out from CJ McCollum and his contract was limiting them. If the jazz feel similarly and they need to get out of Rudy Gobert's giant contract, they may feel that pinch of also like how many team, well, I think he's a defensive player of the year. So lots of teams could use him, but he's like, I do think like wings are easier to absorb mm-hmm. into any team structure than a center. Um, I, yeah. I should say that him not being a ball dominant center actually plays to his advantage. I think in a lot of trying to, you know, fit him in teams, he's not going to disrupt your existing system, but um, yeah, why but would the jazz do that? Five guys. Everybody nowadays wants five guys on the court that can bring it from end to end. So, I mean, it's, right. it's the popular skill in basketball. You, you need a big man who can shoot threes and you need a big man who can, <laughs> who can create and dribble. It's why let's say that it's why it's why your handle is Chet Holmgren's number one fan or whatever the hell. I did change it because the tanking has now completed. That was me manifesting the Blazers losing as many games as possible. And now back to my normal name. Why would the jazz trade Rudy Gobert to the Blazers for the sixth pick? 
pick and Nas Little, and then you need to somehow balance the finances yeah, of there's it. Seven, there's, yeah, there's seventeen million dollars in their wiggle room. You got to figure out. So, but I'm just saying, like, be, there would be more required. That that would probably you, be where you'd see like Joe Angles if he wants to go back to Utah. If Utah wants him back, okay, trade him back over there. There you go. You've kind of balanced the books there. You brought the hometown hero. Yeah, we will never be able to buy a Joe Angles number eleven jersey mm-hmm. uh, that will be ripped from our hearts and souls. I will cry. I will. You can take make a, a custom one in fasting. It won't be the same. You son of a bitch. <laughs> what, else, what else? You, what else? What else? You giving it. up? What else? You giving up for Gobert? I'm the Jazz. I want you to. to I, I want more. What else? You giving me? We've got six. We've got Nas. We've got Ingles. What else? How do you feel about a Bledsoe? See, that's an that's not positive value. It's <laughs> a problem with that. It's money. Yeah, but yeah, but do you want to keep Donovan Mitchell happy? Do you think Eric Bledsoe's I mean, made Donovan Mitchell happy? <laughs> I don't think Eric Bledsoe's playing for him. But you're asking if I'm playing the role of Joe Cronin. Yeah, I can't remember the Jazz's general manager's name. Uh, if you're playing that role, then uh, my question to you is. At the end of it, if you're like shopping Danny Gobert, Ainge, they're like shadow GM. Yeah. Yeah. He's shadow general manager, but right. he, he won't be the one making the phone calls. He'll just be sitting in the back room. Just <laughs> he'll be behind the dude, making the phone calls on speakerphone. Yeah, he'll be sitting there with a cigar, yeah. just giving the nod or shaking his head. Right. But, um, but no, if, if you're shopping Gobert, then you've chosen Donovan Mitchell. And so yeah, but- no matter what, yeah, at the end of it, you get to say, all right, fine. Well, do you like Donovan Mitchell being happy? We're going to help I, you financially. I, We're going to help you, you know, do this, that, or the other. Good luck with you and Dame. They're with Dame and, and Rudy or whatnot, but I'm yeah. the Utah jazz. And I have five other teams on the line who will give me more for this defensive player of the year candidate. Who's 29. Hey, how does that fix your cap situation? I'm just saying like, so that's where you stop. Fair enough. I think the jazz don't do that. So here's my hot take and, uh, set it on Twitter at golden PDX. Here's what I'm giving up for Gobert. I'm giving up. Resigned, signed and traded Yusuf Nurkic, signed and traded Josh Hart, Greg Brown. I don't the think third. Josh Hart can be signed and traded. He's got a year left. Signed and traded Nurk, Josh Hart, <laughs> uh, Greg. <laughs> this cap stuff confuses me. I'm just a dumb fan with a microphone, which is really what I am. But like, um, so Nurkic, Hart, Greg Brown the third. Eric Bledsoe has to be included to balance the books and Ooh, you're way over now. Can't do it. Why? With Nurk and Hart, you're five million off. Your Greg Brown you'll your Greg Brown will fall within your percentage. Are you sure? About eighty two percent. I'm going to check. I don't think you're right. It also depends on what Nurk would be signed for. Um, yeah, because Gobert, Gobert makes 30. Oh, 35. All right. He I, makes I, a I lot. Made. He's an expensive human. He's an, <laughs> uh, everybody in the NBA is an expensive <laughs> human to us, Goldner. <laughs> uh, 12. Yeah, no, you would need blood. So, so it's, it's okay. For Rudy Gobert, let me just, I'm going to do it now. Here we go. Ready? I'm doing Nurkic. I don't like use of Nurkic. He can't be on this team. Bye, Nurkic. Josh Hart, Greg Brown the third, Eric Bledsoe, and the Blazers 2022 pick. And here's my reasoning. My reasoning is this. 
I think, first of all, the Jazz will get offers from other people for Rudy Gobert. I think that will happen. Uh, second of all, the type of player that Rudy Gobert is, if you say, if this is about, if this is about Damian Lillard, this is about Damian Lillard's timeline. And if you're drinking the Kool-Aid of Damian Lillard's, I feel more healthy than I've ever felt and blah, 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 blah. Um, then you're trying to maximize his prime and, mm-hmm. you know, Gobert's contract stretches out until 2026. I think Dames does as well. So you're, you're matching there and Gobert's 29, 25. Fair enough. Pretty close. Um, uh, So you have to go all in now in a way that this team was refused to with Neil O'Shea and you're getting a defensive player of the year candidate. You're getting someone who will protect Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons from uh, those two players are not good defenders, Ryan. Like you need somebody, you need somebody to help back there and go bears the person to do it. And with the pick, I got, I got, I got higher faith in Simon's defense than you and Dwight James. Please never, ever, never compare me to Dwight James ever again, or I'll be sad and I'll start crying. But my point is, and, and the pick, which could be a, I mean, I would say, up to number three or even number two. If you get number one, don't trade it, but, but number two or three, I think the jazz are interested in that package. I think they're interested. Okay. We're building for the future. Got the number two or number three pick or whatever. I think if it's even too low, they wouldn't be interested, but maybe they've got a center in Nurkic. He's fine. You know, they've got heart. They've got a young prospect in Greg Brown. And then as kind of a penalty, they have to take Eric Bledsoe, but that, I mean, the, some of the talent and future assets, I think still works in Utah's favor. The Blazers now have Rudy Gobert and are very, very thin, but I think it's worth it. You can't get a player of that caliber without giving up a lot. So that's my logic. This is true. So I'm curious to think what you think. That's $50.3 million for a $35 million player. Still say your master. Uh, Josh Hart is at 12 and it really depends on what you sign Nurkic for. If it's a sign and trade. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that disagreement is a good place to wrap it up. Goldner. Wait, that's it? You're not going to tell me that's how it. much of an idiot I am? No, I'll save that for later, Dan. I got to craft my better arguments and make sure my math is right. I got to go. I got to go spreadsheet this. If you want to reach out to us, you always can. We are at welikeTheBlazers.com at LikeTheBlazers on Twitter. Find me at GoldnerPDX. Find him at the witty Ryan. Until next time, Ryan. Appreciate you. Thank you all. Good to talk to you. And go Blazers. Go Blazers. very abrupt.